Welcome to Building and Protecting Your Business Worth podcast. This podcast is about sharing strategies and ideas to help business owners build, protect, and transition their businesses for the future while creating more balance in their life. Your host is Thomas J. Perone, CLU, CIC, and president of the New England Consulting Group of Guilford Incorporated, consulting business owners for over 50 years. Welcome to Building and Protecting Your Business Worth. Hi, I'm Tom Perone, and I'm your host. And this podcast is all about learning strategies to build your business, to create greater profit, but to create also an abundance of leisure time so you can enjoy what you're building. Today, we have a wonderful guest, and I would like to introduce to you Dan Schaefer, PhD, Dr. Dan, thank you for again coming to our show of building and protecting our business worth. How are you, Dan? I'm great. Thank you for the invitation. It's always fun to be with you. Well, it's always fun to talk to you because we have so much to talk about. And um, I'm just going to tell the audience that um, I'll put Dan's bio on the uh, summary page and you can read about him. He's got a great history, but we've referred to him to Dr. Dan. He helps professionals, athletes, people, corporate, everything. And he, he helps us quite a bit. And he's got a tremendous amount of material and knowledge to share with us. So today, there's four or five topics we want to go through with Dr. Dan. And uh, Dan, I'm going to start it out this way. I do want to talk about the clicks and the click system. You have a book called The Click. And can we talk a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, the it, It's probably one of the, and I'll hold it up here, on a bad self-promotion. Good. Uh, That's it. That, uh, that it may be the only book that's been written that an author says, don't read the book. Scroll a table of contents and let your subconscious mind tell you exactly what you need to read for the next deal you have to go into. So it involves really uh, a couple of situations that defy conventional wisdom. Uh, everybody I work with today, Tom, is in 2027 working backwards. Where do you want to be? What do you want that to look like? And then let's, let's look backwards for anything that could possibly disrupt that and derail your plans. And so, I mean, somebody had asked me some years ago around the Sochi Olympics, you know, what do you do? I said, well, I have a lot of difficulty explaining what I do. He said, I see what you do when I'm watching the curling competition. The so guy slides the weight down the ice and there are two guys going in front with the brooms, getting the ice out of the way. He says, you're the broom. So it really is to find what, what gets in somebody's way of performing and being the way they want. And it transcends business and sports. I work with global leaders and businesses and professional student athletes, uh, all with a system that identifies where they want to be, empowers their subconscious mind, and moves them in that direction. Maxwell Maltz was a big hero of mine. The idea of subconsciously bringing it in and just let it float around. Was clicks based on something like that theory or that concept? No, cl click, click was based on the, the idea that when you identify what you do well, or, and you know what you're, uh, what it's like when you perform at your best in all aspects, then you can identify much more easily when 
something is distracting you. So it's taking the distraction and clicking it out of the way. You, you, can't, you can only control what you can see, hear, or feel. So when you can see a change in performance, you know you're being distracted. A lot of what I work with with this system is helping people, both athletes, student athletes, professional athletes, and, and uh, people in business identify when they're distracted. Great example right now, anybody watching this, sit up straight in your chair, start to move your right foot clockwise round and round, round and round, round and round, while your right foot is going clockwise with your right hand, draw a big number six in the air. And you can find that your foot goes backwards. <laughs> so the question is, how, how does it, not how it happens or why it happens, but what does it mean? It means that when you really want to focus on something, whatever that is, uh, you, you need to be able to control distraction. So, you, you know, and that, that becomes really important to people is noticing where you are. You know, you know, you bring up a good point because as a former athlete, baseball and hockey player, um, I, I've talked to many, many athletes over the years, coaching and stuff. And the question I always had, because it happened to me, is if you could pick the one moment in time that was at the apex of your career or experience, most of athletes, at least athletes and maybe executives, I don't know, they mentally, I can go back 50 years to a snapshot of a minute that defined, yes, it defined uh, the euphoria of my career. I can, I can, I can see it. I'm not going to go into it, but a lot of athletes I've spoken to Dan can do that because they've had so many experiences, good, bad, ugly. So what you're talking about is click is to capture what you would think, whether you're an executive or an athlete, the best of the best in your, in your mind. Is that pretty much it? Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that we should probably mention up front is that, uh, I use hypnosis with a lot of people to help them reach their subconscious mind very quickly. So, you know, and you, you, what you talk about this, right? So I've said to one of my hockey goaltenders, I said, you know, uh, what's it like when you perform at your best? He said, well, I don't hear any crowds. The puck is the size of a dinner plate and the game moves very slowly. When any of those things change, I know I'm losing my concentration. I said, so what do you do to get back? He said, uh, I, I hope that my concentration will come back. I said, well, we all know in business and sports, hope is not a strategy. So how do you get back? I'll give everybody one right here now. Big self-talk is, is incredibly destructive when it's negative. And a lot of times it's negative. So anybody who's plagued by self-talk, try this right now. Just push your tongue up to the roof of your mouth. When your tongue is on the roof of your mouth, you can't think of anything. And I had a guy from the Mets tell me one time, he said, you know, concentration is thinking about absolutely nothing at just the right time. So how do you, how do, you do that? Uh, you, you need some tips and tricks to do it. What I find is challenging, you know, we've talked about this before. When I work with a client, almost 100% of the time, it's under the radar. They never uh, talk about me to people. Uh, they don't give away, nobody's giving away a competitive edge, whether it's in golf or business. Uh, it, it doesn't, it, there's no, no difference. So that's how that works. Well, so there's two breakdowns to the click that I see. And I'm, I'm breaking it down in my terms because there are people that will relate. Go ahead. 
But the one is to find that snapshot vi vision that you're in your zone. That's the best you're ever going to get or what you perceive to be. And then it's, it's how do you stay there? And if you fall out, how do you get back? How do you block what's preventing you from getting back? That's the part of it, right? Right. Abs absolutely. And, you know, I, I th I'll give you an example because you talk about this snapshot. Uh, uh, one of my strategies with goaltenders is I say, listen, I, I take them into a place where they imagine and visualize on a big flat screen TV in their mind uh, a save that they made. And so they see that save as if they're watching themselves from behind the net make the save. The next bit, and then they take that save and they burn it into a DVD in their brain. The next step is they get a, a, a boom shot looking from above down watching them make the save, and then they skate around to center ice. So now they have a three perspective view of that save. Now we just build the saves up. So if somebody's going to a game, thinking about a game, training for a game, uh, no matter what it is, whether it's hitting a baseball or, uh, or being a goaltender, uh, they can bring up this video and watch the video. The interesting thing about it, when you start to work with the subconscious mind, is that the subconscious mind never knows whether the, the athlete made the save or visualized the save. And so whether you talk about that, I mean, I've worked with World Cup skiers on training runs. And they, they see somebody can ru run a training run and skiing over and over again at night just before they go to sleep. Yeah. And, and, it, and what happens is that becomes perfect practice. And because it's the same all the time, it's the same story that gets more vivid and more vivid the more you do it, I assume. Right, right. But what you really, part of the cliff system is helping people to become aware of the environment that they're in, the environment that they perform the best in, and how to move forward. And that's what you brought this up before. Is, is it, Tom, I'm sure you run into this. A lot of really successful people that I work with don't know how they accomplish what they accomplish. They just do it automatically. Yeah. It's like unconscious competence, which is great if you're a sole pr practitioner. But if you have to train other people, uh, if you have to train a sales team with different strategies, you can't teach somebody what you don't know that you know. Yeah, you don't know what you know, and you don't know how to how to articulate right. how you did it. And I I use that analogy with being a baseball hitter. I couldn't explain why I was a good hitter. Remember we talked about that. And I, I yeah, I could I could not. So I understand what you're saying. But well, let me ask you this, Dan. I I don't know if, if it's out of character, but you work with a lot of professional athletes. And obviously, I, I doubt you can talk about who they are that you work with, but you work with some real premier athletes in this country, right? The, on this? The, the, only, the only one that I could talk about is Chad Pennington because he wrote the forward to my book. Okay. And he talked about how he combined his mental strategy, how he worked on his rehab, uh, how he we, – we worked when, when he was with the Jets and then with the Dolphins. And he writes to the fact that we use hypnosis to help him to, to focus on different issues that he ran into. Most often it was, it was play. you know, when, when somebody has a bad play, Tom, you're an athlete, you know, you, you beat yourself up. 
the question is, do you have time in the middle of the game to beat yourself up or do you have to set up a time later in the day to beat yourself up? Well, with my athletes now, I tell them, you know, you, you need my permission to beat the S out of yourself. Yeah. If yeah. You don't do it until you got to call me. And I have an athlete who calls me and she says to me, can I beat myself up? And I says, no, you can't. Not yet. Well, you know, you you bring up a good point because, um, and I'm sure it happens in business. I've I've been an executive. I've been uh, running a business, but I was an athlete too, and it more relates to me as an athlete. Athlete, but you're right. You could be strike out twice in a row, and you're talking to yourself like I can't hit anything. You know, you can get yourself uh, like you were uh, the worst player in the world just by talking to yourself. And there's a great book called Self Talk. That's the name of it. And it's one of the best books on self-talk that you always talk about, not the book, but that concept. But you're, I think you're absolutely right. That, that subconscious just brings it in. And it doesn't know whether it's real or, or, or fake, does it? No, it doesn't. But the, you, when you bring up self-talk, uh, what becomes very interesting, Tom, is how many people tell themselves what they don't want to have happen. Yeah. I don't want this to happen. I don't want that to happen. And I come back to the first time the Patriots played the Giants in the Super Bowl. Somebody said to me, who is, who do you think is going to win? I said, well, I said, I think the Patriots, having won 18 straight games, are going to find a way to lose that game. And they said, why? I said, because they're coming in saying we don't want to lose this game. And the Giants are coming in and say we want to win. And so that, that was the first time. And then the second time they played, they said, what do you think is going to happen? I said, it's got to be worse because now they're going to say we don't want to lose again. So people have to be very careful, and particularly when it comes to coaches, coaches telling how the language that a coach uses when they're coaching a team or an individual uh, has got to be dealt with very, very carefully. Dan, you know, you bring up a good point that I'm going to hold off on because part of the show I want to talk about parents, student athletes. I think what you just said, they want to hear more about that, but let's do this. You talk about the wish list in, in the book click, I believe. Is that where you talk yeah, about it? Right. Let's talk about that. Okay. Um, I say, I tell people that, that I'm mad if I have a thing on my website about the wish. What's, what's the wish list? People want to have certain things happen. They want to increase their concentration. Uh, they want to be able to deal. They want to deal with, with with students. They want to deal with academics and sports. So everybody has to tell themselves what I want this. I want that. What happens is, is that when you take a a wish or or something you want to have happen, and you make the statement. Your subconscious mind says, is that really what you want? Yes. Okay. I'm going to help you get that. Just stay out of my way. So what gets in their way? So uh, it's helping. And this is so individual, Tom. This is, this is generally written up in a book with surveys and that kind of thing. People will enjoy that. But, but at the end of the day, a lot of my work is done one-to-one -one with people. You know, and so... I'm working with, with, with a kid right now who is, uh, is a tennis player, wants to be a professional tennis player. And so how does, how does that work out for him? What does he have to think about? See, I'm, many people think that I'm, uh, you know, first of all, I'm, I have a PhD, but I'm not a therapist. Uh, I'm not a coach. Uh, I'm a strategist. 
So I, I say to people, I say, what do you do? I say, I, I'm a, uh, a fractional psychological strategist for business and sports. Well, you know, when you say an individual, and it is an individual thing because what's blocking someone from getting where they want to go in their vision is could be all over the lot. So I could see you can't say this is across the board, a general way of doing it. So they really have to know more about their vision, where they want to go. I mean, there's a lot of questions that they have to define themselves. And I think your book and one-on-one helps quite a bit because it leads them to the path that they want to visual, have a visual to get to. Well, you know, you're right, Tom. And I think that that uh, one of the things that I found is interesting is that I work with a guy who uh, on, on business negotiation strategies. And he said to me, he said, I'm a 12 handicap golfer. He said, but I can't play well 50 yards in all the time, just sometimes. So what we discovered working together was that the only time he can't play well 50 yards in is when he was playing against somebody who made more money than he did. And he, and he makes high seven figures. So a lot of the things that block people from where they want to be are invisible. And, uh, and it becomes interesting to be able to find it because some, sometimes finding is very easy, not for the individual, but when I work with people, we find it very quickly. And, and they may not know it either. Well, they don't know it at all. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're confused. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do academically, uh, physically, training. And still there's something in the way. I don't know what it is. Yeah. And, and I think the click, the book, helps people to, A, um, have knowledge that this exists. You know, right. this is part of sure. why you're successful or not. You, it's like uh, the person that doesn't know what he doesn't know. I mean, you, the, the click is going to educate people by thinking in terms of the subconscious and where they want to go and vision and, and the blocks. Um, the wish list, though, uh, is in the book, and that you talk about the wish list in that book, right? Sure. Yep. Okay. Um, we uh, we first heard from you this year, last year. One of the the greatest topics I've heard in fifty three years of practice, and you call it money mistakes, Dan. This right. is eye-opener for most people that run a business. Let's talk about that because that was a great strategy. Okay. Um, I believe that, and I know what you do, Tom, people who watch this program know what you do. I believe that many more people sell mistakes than they can even believe. See, because it be, it comes back down to what are the prime mistakes that your clients have made before they became your client. And what does it cost them in money, emotional reputation? And then the objective is, is how do you help the person avoid the mistake? So when I say to somebody, I sell mistakes, they say, who would ever want to buy a mistake? I said, somebody who doesn't want to make one. If you buy somebody else's mistake, then you don't have to make it. You know, I've, I've had people say to me, well, I sell solutions. I said, okay, but if you buy the mistake first and don't make it, you don't have to pay for the solution. But so, so for some examples, I have an attorney who's a client. I said to him, give me an example of a mistake. He said, he said, I have one right now. He said, I have a client 
who started a, a uh, started a business on a handshake with his friend 15 years ago. He said, that relationship is coming apart now. He said, but they decided that the handshake was all they needed, no legal documents. And he said that now it's going to cost him $350,000 to get out of this deal. So is that an expensive mistake? Absolutely. Uh, from the sports side, taking something on to the field that doesn't belong there, you know, is, is uh, you know, some people say I, I play better when I'm angry, but I have a, uh, I have a, a, a female MMA ultimate fighter who runs bad water, the bad water race through Death Valley, who said she took anger onto this 135 mile race. And, and she said, uh, you know, it drained me. So it's finding out, it's noticing what's here that doesn't belong. You know, I've, to, I've talked to football players and say, you know, what you, you have to go step over, the, step over the line and everything that's not football stays on the other side of the line. When somebody's skates hit the ice, nothing, nothing gets in the way uh, when you understand that you move into a different place. But you can do it consciously. But when somebody taps their subconscious mind into this stuff, Tom, it makes a whole different ballgame. Well, Dan, um, uh, you know, being in practice and always having communication with people, I have found that over the years that the people that I've worked with, being, being in the financial planning and planning business, people react more to what they have to lose than what they have to gain. In other words, they'll move a mountain to avoid losing 50 bucks, but they won't do too much to buy a lottery ticket for the odds worked for them because they're lazy or whatever. Uh, is that fairly true? Is that just my observation or is that basically uh, true? I, I think there's an invisible dynamic that works, particularly with my clients, and it's called short-term discomfort versus long-term regret. Okay. I may not want to do anything right this moment, but I'll tell you what I really, really don't want to be. I don't want to be in 2027 looking backwards, wishing I did this. So what I find helpful for me and my clients use this with their clients as they develop and expand their business. They take their client out of 2022, out to 2027 and say, listen, tell me what this looks like to you. From the wish list aspect of this, it's important to me to know that the person has a target. Where do they want to be? Because the subconscious mind will drag them toward that target uh, if they get it. But a lot of people don't have a target more than a couple of weeks, a couple of months. But again, when we come back to the money and mistakes, it's a system. And I'll give you an example. One of the things we talked about is uh, it's a 30-second elevator pitch. Everybody hears that. They do a lot of networking. And how do I get what I do across to somebody in 30 seconds? Well, one of the myths is the 30-second elevator pitch because you don't have 30 seconds. You only have six. How do you get yourself across to somebody where somebody says, whoa, wait a minute, I need to give Tom a call. I have to find out what he's talking about. And when I say to somebody, uh, I sell mistakes, that's my six seconds. And then, and then the discussion starts on from there because there's a whole, the system is, is that if you understand that when you talk to somebody and say I'm a financial advisor, people know a million financial advisors. 
uh, and they may have one already. And so the question is, how do you convert somebody from working with somebody else to you? How do you make that happen? Uh, and again, it, it, it comes back down to what works for somebody. It doesn't work for everybody else. But at the end of the day, uh, when I, when somebody is, will say I sell mistakes, they know where the discussion is going to go. I like the idea that uh, what you just said about the long, the short-term uh, uh, dis um, discomfort versus the long-term gain. And that's been my, um, that has been my um, experience. As a matter of fact, through your influence, I have changed the way I talk with people and I keep that six seconds because now I tell them I'm a financial mistakes consultant and it opens up. Uh, all kinds of stuff because they, the best, yeah. The best question you can get is, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, that's what I want. Yeah, that's, that's what you want. And that, and basically, you know, I I use this as an example. But I was at a cocktail party some year, years ago, and one of the women with there had a very successful woman in solar business. She said, "What are you doing?" I said, "I saw a say. She said, "What a silly thing to say." So, three or four or five times throughout that party, she came up to me. She said, how can you say that about your business? Why do you use that? I said, because we're at this cocktail party and you've come up to me four times to ask me about my business. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you know, it, but it, it becomes interesting and, and, uh, but, and you, you'll hear a lot more of it. Well, it is, it's a good program. And I know being involved with other people that we have in our cannoli club, there's been a lot of talk about that, which you're going to do more presentations on it. Um, hey, Dan, let's move to the cost of myths you talk about. Okay. Perfect. Uh, I talked about the first one, 30-second uh, elevator pitch, when you only have six seconds. The next one is people are continuing to sell on features and benefits. Here's the features of what I do. Here are the benefits of buying my product and my service. But that's not the way the brain works. The brain works on skepticism, reactance, and inertia. So they're going to be skeptical the minute you start to talk about something. And you can't even see it, but they're going off somewhere in their mind. But if you present this where somebody may be skeptical about what you're presenting, uh, reactance is they don't want to be sold. And inertia is all the things they would have to do to change to move into the direction you want to take them. Then what happens is, is that if you can present that upfront in a presentation, people are discovering a 30 to 50% higher close rate on the deal. So it requires something we've talked about before is preparing to compete. Do people really, really prepare to compete? I find a lot of people don't. You know, uh, best example I have is, is Super Bowl three, Dave Herman protected Joe Namath from Bubba Smith. And I said to Dave Herman, how do you do that? He said, I watch game films. I said, what do you watch for? I was thinking formations and the way he says, no, he said, I figure when a guy as big as Bubba Smith has got to move forward, he's got to be standing on one foot, just a little bit longer than everybody else. He says, I just waited till he was standing on one foot till when the ball was snapped, I just watched his toe come up. And so my question is, is, if somebody has a major presentation for their business or has a sales team who are going out trying to generate, uh, generate business in this environment, or if they're 
trying to manage people remotely, which is challenging today. How are they doing it? Are they preparing to compete? A lot of people aren't. You know, you know, in the sales end of things, being a consultant, uh, what you're saying is actually very, very true. I, I know it's true. And one of the tools that I've always thought about and read a lot about are people uh, are using open-ended questions where they have to respond. And I find that's been lost in the salesmanship arena. People want to tell you things and they don't want to ask you things. But the asking is where all the action is because that gets that person to start thinking about where they want to be and not what happened what to happen. I, I, absolutely. I, you know, I, I find that when I start to talk to people about this, uh, I say to them, you know, I could tell you what I think you should do, but let me tell you what my clients tell me to tell you. Make sure you call this guy sooner. Make sure you look at this. And, and your clients, everybody who's listening to this, their clients are giving them all the information they need to, uh, to, to promote themselves and do their business because they're telling you why they came to you. This wasn't working with somebody else. And now I'm coming to you for this reason. That That's a mistake. I, I had a, a divorce attorney. I, I do a lot with uh, witness preparation, Tom. People have to prepare to to uh, testify and testify in high pressure situations. Uh, and, and you know, I, I said to this guy, he was a lawyer, divorce attorney, and he said to me, I had a client who came to me who said, call me up on a Friday afternoon. He said, listen, I'm coming in to sign. I want to sign and retain you to handle my divorce. He says, and before I got off the phone with him Friday afternoon, I says, don't talk to anybody. I said, just the way you said that to me tells me he talked to somebody. He said, yes, he did. One phone call Friday afternoon cost him $200,000. So it's, you know, how you put that out. So I think everybody who has a business is in some way could just ascribe to the fact that what they're really doing is selling mistakes. They're taking mistakes that they've seen somebody else make. And they're saying to their client, I'm not going to let you do that. You know, that happened to me about four weeks ago, Dan. I had a client I had been working with for years and he called me up and he said, I'm having an issue over here. And, and I said exactly that. I didn't think about it. I said, well, let me, let me just explain what I've done with clients in a similar situation. And that resonated much stronger, maybe the crowd mentality, the group mentality. I don't know what it was. Then if I had told him, I realized afterwards he couldn't get enough information where in the past years I would bring this topic up out of the blue and he didn't want to know anything. But because it was a situation and others of my clients have found solutions and what they did, he was very, very open to hearing more about it. And uh, when you said that, I, I realized that open-ended question and how you respond is really very, very important to let the person think, uh, let them uh, go deep in what they're thinking, not just listening to you. They're thinking. Yeah, but you know, that that's, that's right on target, Tom, because I think that people don't ask questions uh, to the right people at the right time. It just seems to me that if somebody has some questions to ask, uh, they're going to ask them uh, to, to the wrong person and follow the wrong advice. Yeah. You know, I, one of them is say, I had a, a, a guy from Morgan Stanley say to me, 
I said, what's the biggest mistake that, that you have, you've seen happen with people who are trying to manage their assets? He says, Uncle Louie. I said, what do you mean, Uncle Louie? He says, well, if you break an ankle, you go to an orthopedist. If you have a toothache, you go to a dentist. But if you get money, no, you don't call a financial advisor. You call your Uncle Louie. He knows a guy who knows a guy. And he said, at the end of the day, it costs these people. The biggest issue here is, what does it cost somebody not to hire you? Yeah. Yeah. What are the consequences of making these mistakes? That's right. basically, yeah. Dan, I'm going to move on. I got about two or three minutes, but I want to cover <clears throat> something that I think is great that you're doing. That's parent, student, athletes. Can we talk about that for two or three ab minutes? Ab ab absolutely. Uh, I, I work with student athletes, but I know how difficult it is for parents to deal with kids who are student athletes. I mean, my grandchildren, uh, same thing. I see what my kids have to do. And today with travel teams and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, uh, people want to help their kid to realize their dream, whatever the dream is. Uh, a lot of people try to knock that dream down. But uh, I, I have parents back. I talk to them. And then the relationship with their student athlete is different. I don't relate anything back to the parent unless something was dangerous that was going on uh, be, because it's just a relationship between me and the kid. And they know they can call me up, uh, you know, call, call me up with something that's going on. And the stuff that, stuff that goes on is dealing with coaches. Unbelievable. I mean, I, I, we could do a whole program on, on how people, how parents don't know how to deal with people who are coaching their kids and how the kids don't know how to deal with coaches and how important it is to get coaches on the right page for the, for the mental game that they, this, the athletes are playing. So it's once again, individual stuff. Uh, the, uh, I said to somebody yesterday on a call, the only sport I have not worked with is cricket. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, <laughs> which is, <laughs> well, you got to go to, uh, the, uh, New, uh, to England for that. Hey, Dan, um, here's a question um, with a couple of moments that we have left. And I'm going to, by the way, I'm going to put everything in the, in the uh, show notes, your website, because you have a lot of good material there. Um, especially the um, the information on uh, uh, you have a chapter on YouTube where you can actually go to the chapter that right. you're talking about. So I'm going to put that in there. <clears throat> Excuse me. But Dan, uh, you know, this athletic, uh, these parents, student athlete, um, parents want to know about this on your website. There's some material on that. Yep. Okay. Cause I, it, it really becomes individual Tom, because it, you know, the question I ask business people and, and kids, what do you need to have happen right now that's not happening? I'm not talking about six months from now. What do you need to have happen right now that's not happening? And then we work backwards from there. But but it's it's a uh, – and each situation is individual. Yeah. No, I could see that because uh, – a lot of kids in sports, a lot of parents are banking that they're going to do well. I mean, coaching for many years, I saw a lot of parents who um, really put a lot of time and money into their kids, uh, sometimes delusionally, and I understand that. Um, but it's a great topic that I'm having interest. Maybe we'll do a show just on that. I, I'd like that. Um, yeah, so, that'd be great. 
Well, Dan, again, I have to thank you. It's always, every time we talk, it's just enlightening, uh, refreshing. And um, I want to, again, thank you for coming on the show. Tom, thank you very much for the invitation. It's always fun working with you. Well, Dan, have a great week, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. We'll do something else. Okay, great. Talk to you soon, Tom. Well, I want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening. It was a good show today. And uh, if you would help us out by subscribing, click a like. Uh, if you have any ideas or thoughts that you would like to share with us, please email me at tperone, that's P-E-R-R-O-N-E, at N-E-C-G-G-I-N-C dot com. And if you are a business owner, or you know business owners that would like to participate on our show, certainly let me know. We certainly welcome everyone who is a business owner to help people out there that are running businesses with great ideas and strategies to make them successful. So again, thanks for tuning in. I certainly appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. Whenever you're ready to grow and protect your business while creating more balance in your life, here are three steps you can take. One, subscribe to this podcast. To request a free copy of Tom's newly published book, Unlocking Your Business DNA, email Tom at tperone at necgginc.com. And on the subject line, type DNA. Include your mailing address. And thirdly, take the one-minute scorecard and report to see how efficient you are in your business planning. Email tperone at necgginc.com and request scorecard. For additional information, click the show notes.